Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the CHGO Bulls podcast HQ edition presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook. Download the app and make sure to use promo code CHGO when you do. I am your host today, Will Gottlieb, alongside my good mate, my friend down under, Marque, Mark Aranzillis. How you doing, man? Good, mate. I'm, I'm very good. Even better now that we've got uh, Law on the Draw producing for us today. So, law on the Draw. Uh, that, that, we got that's a, a rare opportunity today. for us. But um, it's giving me an extra an extra pep in my step when I have the long yeah. uh, as uh, producing the show. So I mean, um, I'm good. Cool. I'm Just good, mate. How's cool things with you? How's cool things with Laura? I just wanted... Wasn't that a good thumbnail with the Jimmy Butler looking at the trade? Thing. Like, what are we doing? I love here? that. Anytime you can mix a Jimmy Butler image in, I think you're going to get. Both uh, approval from both yeah. Mark and I. Oh, yeah. Just I like just want to tell the people. Oh, yeah. Hit the like on your way in and out, folks. Uh, would really help us out. But uh, when we just signed on here, it was hilarious because Mark's obviously in Australia, which means he is in tomorrow. And so Lawrence asked him, how is tomorrow? And he goes, uh, same as yesterday, same as the next day. <laughs> Ni- Nihilist Mark is here, but yeah. well, he no, seems no. to be in a good mood. You guys interpreted that as a negative, but I don't know. So that's on you, really, because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't put a disclaimer out there that it was a bad thing or a good thing or or anything. Like I just literally said, it was it's the same as yesterday, same as tomorrow. So you guys interpreted it that way. So maybe that's on you then, William. Uh-oh. Nihilist will. Yeah, who's the nihilist now? Yeah, it's it's always on me. But you know what? I'm actually in a great mood because this is my favorite time of year, alongside the uh, free agency and draft time of year, the NBA trade deadline is a joy i get really into it um i nerd out about it and mark i don't know how you're feeling right now but there's a lot of juicy rumors out there and i cannot wait to dig into them we've been doing the uh what is it bullish or bullshit um clips over our last few we're gonna have a few more of those today we're gonna Mm -hmm. get into derozan all-star game sixth appearance of his career we're gonna talk about the kyrie irving news that just happened but Let's kick things off with DeRozan. Um, Obviously, the announcement was made last night before the Bulls game. Dale and Terry came out to the floor while DeRozan was warming up and gave him the news, which I thought was awesome. Um, Got a short video clip of that. So did Bulls TV if you want to go check that out. Um, Six all-star appearance, second in a row after missing it three straight times while he was in San Antonio. What did you make of that uh, announcement? Do you think he's deserving? Were you surprised? Were you not surprised? Share your share your thoughts. Yeah, so my my, my encompassing, encompassing encompassing rather thoughts on all this is that I'm extremely pleased for Demar. Um, I don't know if there's been better two season runs from a player in a Bulls jersey in maybe since the Jordan days, uh, and I know that's maybe sacrilege to say because obviously there was Derek Rose and the MVP season, but. I don't know, like what DeRozan has done over the his one and a half seasons as a ball is up there with pretty much anything that any non-Jordan ball has done, in, in my opinion. So in that sense, I am very pleased for DeMar, the six-time All-Star, as you noted. At the same time, though, like I did not expect this at all. I didn't think he was necessarily diver- uh, deserving, not necessarily just because he hasn't been good enough, but obviously with the balls languishing sort of down in that 10th or 11th spot, I didn't think... If- there was any chance this team was going to really get an all-star and assuming if they did it was only going to be DeMar but I just assumed they wouldn't get one because of how bad the team has been and 
team record is often something coaches vote for or look for, particularly given that they are the ones voting for the reserves. Um, I didn't expect them to be voting in a guy on a team that's sort of 10th or 11th in the East. So I was very surprised, to be honest with you. Um, but this just you know continues to add to DeMar's resume to his legacy that the, his late late career resurgence has been such an outlierish thing and the fact that he's doing it here in chicago is just you know amazing to watch so yeah to, to be honest with you william I, I was surprised i was a little bit shocked i didn't expect it don't know if he completely deserved it but i also don't care because a player from my team is an all-star and that's all that really matters i am glad you brought up outlierish because I think that's kind of exactly what this is. I mean, part of this is in the same way that the starters are sort of a popularity contest. Like you saw some of the the player votes, like Carly Jones had a player vote for the All-Star game. Like they just don't really take it seriously, but I think the coaches do and they are going to vote for their guys that, you know, that have the most respect around the league. And I think DeMar is right up there. Um, he's certainly like, whether you think he was in or out, he was on the, on the bubble, on the fringes, along with guys like Jalen Brunson and Pascal Siakam and James Harden. Yeah. Probably an argument to be made that Harden got snubbed, but mm. I think I think he belongs, um, if not for his play, which I think has been not quite as good as last year, but really good. I mean, he was a starter in last year's All-Star game. Uh, not quite there this year, but he's, he's been fantastic. And I think if you if the Bulls had just gotten – you know, a better whistle late game three times. We could be talking about a 500 team and that, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy like... for him. And it's, yeah, it's just, it adds to this season that he's having, which I think has really been a special one in terms of reaching the 20,000 point mark. He has since surpassed that and uh, surpassed 21,000. Um, he hit 1000 per games, which is a huge accomplishment, like six all-star second consecutive. I just think this is, uh, sort of an underrated great season for DeRozan. Definitely, definitely. I completely agree. And, and like, it, the more I think about it, I don't, he, he hasn't been as good as last season, but I think he's been like 95% as good. He doesn't necessarily have the clutch record as he as he did last year, but not to suggest he's not still efficient or scoring well in the clutch because he is. He's still mightily efficient in the, all the things that he does. So he's he's been as close as possible to last season as as he could be really. I didn't, I, I expected a regression. There has been a tiny bit, but uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's been like material or something to really talk about. But I think DeRozan has largely been consistent from lo- last season to this season. I think what's really happened is the guys around him have sort of just vaulted to a different level. Like Donovan Mitchell is probably having his best season he's ever had. Same with Jason Tatum. You could argue, you know, Giannis is potentially having his best season ever. Embiid is clearly having the best season of his career. Kevin Durant at age 34 is just absurd. So like, even if like Demar is sort of on the lower end tier of the all-star rankings, or all-star players at this point, I don't think it's because of anything he has necessarily done or hasn't done. Maybe I think it's just because of the the depth of the East. Like even Jalen Brown has gone up a level as well. So like, it's less about Demar regressing for me, at least it's more about what everyone else in the Eastern conference has been doing. And the fact that the East itself has leveled up. So uh, it is cool though to see DeRozan on, on, on there. I, like I said, I just didn't expect it to happen, but the fact that it has happened, it just adds to, as to his career, I guess. So uh, it, it's cool. Um, it, it, it's really cool. Yeah. You brought up, this is kind of going a different direction here, but you brought up like he's been 95% of what he was last year. And I think that was a big concern of mine coming into this season is just like, what if DeMar isn't hundred percent or 105% of what he was last year? What if he's only 95% as good? Does that result in two or four fewer wins? And that might be kind of what we're seeing here uh, in terms of some of the late game heroics uh, the Bulls not getting, you know, call it a friendly bounce, call it a bad, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unfortunate call, whatever it is here and there. I mean, those are the kind of things that add up and kind of put the Bulls in a situation where they're three games under 500. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you wanted to add about DeMar? Should we get into some other player news around the league? Uh, just just the last thing on DeMar. And, and look, I, it was kind of poignant yesterday watching the game. Like you could have made this take, uh, you know, you could have had this take that I'm about to sort of, uh, share with you at any point during the season, but maybe it's just more relevant given the the All Star news. But particularly yesterday when the Hornets were sending two on on DeRozan all the time, like we're talking about DeRozan being like just a consistent twenty six five and five, and and something that really stood out to me for whatever reason. Again, I don't know why it hit me yesterday, but the, the Hornets were just sending two to, to DeRozan every single time, and he was just kicking the ball out to 
he was making the right play, right? So he would when they would send two, he would share the ball, he would move the ball, and so often the ball would end up in it in, in the hands of someone who just didn't do anything with it. Like he, the play he would pass to obviously didn't shoot a three because they can't necessarily shoot a three, or they're not someone who's going to get put the ball on the floor because they're not necessarily someone who's confident to do, in doing that, or they're not necessarily efficient in doing that. So. I was just wondering yesterday, like, like we talk about his his late career renaissance and and this outlierish sort of uh, development in his career, but I just kind of wonder, like, could there could it have been even even something more had this team been a, a little bit more functional around Demar in the sense that if you had more shooting, more guys who can do some just some stuff around him, rather than him kicking out to you know Caruso, let's say who's a low volume three point shooter or whoever the player is. You know, obviously, there's a, there's a ton of players on this team. Uh, they can't necessarily shoot the ball, but like De- Demar's often playing in 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 lineups that just don't necessarily functionally make sense around his best skills. So even though he has been this good, I wonder if he could have been even better for the Bulls had there been a little bit more functional sense around him from a roster perspective. Like again, like I don't know why that hit me yesterday. It's something that it's a it's a take we could have had a while ago or throughout his My tenure friend, here. It did not but, hit uh, you yesterday. You've been saying some version of that for a while, which is. If maybe, this roster maybe. made any sense, if there was any shooting on this roster, how much better would no, they be? And you frame no, it in perspective that... of how it helps Demar, but like yeah, you yeah, can say the same I mean. thing about the team. I, I, I'm 100 yeah, yeah. percent with you on that. Um, I, I, a couple other player things before we get into the big news of the day, which is Kyrie Irving. Uh, NBA injury report: The Bulls have not yet submitted for their game tomorrow, Saturday against the Portland Trailblazers. We will wait to see. Um, what happens, maybe there will be an update in shoot-around tomorrow morning on Patrick Williams' ankle and Alex Crusoe's right foot. Obviously, some big trade deadline implications there. Um, but today, this afternoon, Woj and Shams kind of at the same time tweeted that Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets has requested a trade, which on so many levels is just kind of a hilarious thing. I mean, after... Everything that's happened with him from holding out to getting injured to um, just, you know, the the whole anti-Semitism thing to uh, the Nets finally like playing really good basketball and going on a stretch where they look like legitimate contenders. Kevin Durant, you know, requested a trade this past summer. Kyrie thought he was gone. It couldn't come to an extension deal. And now they're playing great. And Kyrie has requested a trade. What was your reaction to that? Look, I'm not surprised. This is clearly a leverage play from him because he wanted the full bag. Uh, I think he, I think he was eligible for a four-year, two hundred million dollar extension. Clearly, that's not going to happen for a number of obvious reasons. But um, yeah, this is—I I assume this is a leverage play for him saying, "Trade me now," because you know you clearly don't want to pay me, so trade me now. Um, so maybe maybe they'll follow through with that. Maybe he gets traded, or maybe this is him just trying to to blow things up in in a in a way to leverage himself into that massive. Uh, extension that I just referenced there, but I, I just can't stand this guy. I, like, I'm just gonna put it out there. I, I he annoys me so much, uh, and I don't understand why any team or any person would have any interest in trading for Kyrie Irving. So there's this tweet going around this morning that I saw from Tommy Beer at Tommy Beer. He he noted his like very high level snapshot of of Kyrie's tenure in in, uh, in I was gonna say New Jersey in Brooklyn. In 1990-20, he played 20 games. In the 2021 season, he got hurt in the playoffs. In the 21-22 season, he created the season by he created the net season by refusing to get vaxxed, forcing Brooklyn to trade Harden for Simmons. And in this season, ignoring all the other off-court nonsense, he's obviously clearly demanded a trade here. In a season where the Nets were having a pretty pretty effective season, even with with even with KD hurt at the moment, so he has played. I don't know, a handful of games. He's, he's probably played less than half the games that he's been eligible to play with the Nets. They've paid him a max deal. People bang on about Zach Levine being a terrible deal, a terrible max player, all these sorts of things. And at the same time, these type of Bulls fans will say we should trade for Kyrie Irving, which I've seen a lot of people suggesting today. So I have nothing, nothing positive to say about this at all. In, 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 any, in, any, in, any, in any relation you want to take this, William? I have no positive thoughts about uh, Kyrie Irving, particularly if we're trying to connect the dots here to get him to Chicago, which I hope we're not. But I'm, I'm, I, I do know there are people out there that want to see him in Chicago, which is uh, mind-boggling. Well, you are nipping this conversation of the bud here because that's exactly where I wanted to go with it. Um, 
So I think uh, if I have this correct, and maybe there have been updates, but uh, it sounds like the Lakers, the Suns, and the Mavericks are on the list of potential suitors, although Kyrie has not made an official list of teams that he'd be willing to go to. Now, the interesting and sort of difficult part about a trade here is that he is an unrestricted free agent coming up this summer. So if you're trading assets to go get this guy, you have to be either fairly confident or in some sort of agreement that he's going to extend with you long-term, if that's what you want. And to your point, Mark, I mean, how many teams can you really say that this is something that they would want to do? I feel like the Lakers probably are sort of leading the pack in terms of just like desperate to get any talent. Obviously, you know, Kyrie and LeBron have played together and done it at a really high level for a long period of time, but Kyrie asked out of that situation too. So I'm not really sure where Kyrie is a fit. I mean, obviously one of the most talented basketball players in the world. There's a reason why all the players love watching him. His handles are insane. His finishing package is ridiculous, but I think he subtracts more from your team than he adds at this point. So with all of that being said, I mean, people are asking about it. So we, maybe we can, you know, talk about it from the perspective of on court and not just like, you know, whether it's worth it in theory, but like, can you, can you give your take on why this would be, I mean, we're, we're talking about DeRozan here. We've been getting into some trade stuff. Is there mm-hmm. a, a reason for you on the court why Kyrie for DeRozan or Kyrie for Levine, some package surrounding those two does not make sense? Okay, so if you want me to ignore the fact that this guy's a complete douchebag, then... That's exactly what I want you to do. Okay, so ignoring that massive, massive caveat and looking at it purely from a basketball perspective, I still don't understand it uh, because, I mean, Kyrie is a better player than Zach Levine. Well, let's make that very clear. He's been better than, than, than Zach this year. He's been probably been even better than DeMar on the court. But from where the Bulls are positioned at the moment, uh, I don't necessarily understand why this deal makes sense from that point of view. Like, they, they, Kyrie is not a number one option on a on a team. We've seen that before. We've seen that play out before. Maybe it didn't work for a lot of the other big caveats which I referenced before. Maybe it could have worked if he had a different temperament, a different mentality, a different personality, all those sorts of things. But we've seen him in that number one role in in Boston. It didn't work. Assuming he was to come here in Chicago, he would probably want to have some a similar type of role. It would either be him or DeMar at number one. If it's DeMar, we've seen that story before as to how that looks when your your best player is DeMar and DeRozan. We've seen what it looks like where Kyrie Irving's your best player. That doesn't necessarily go well either. So uh, I don't, I don't, from a pure basketball point of view, uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense for me. Obviously, Kyrie has defensive issues, just like Zach Levine in that sense. So you don't necessarily improve from a defensive standpoint. Does the offense get better? Potentially, I... People who have issues with isolation basketball at the moment, you're going to continue to have issues with isolation basketball because that's what Kari loves doing. You have Kari next to um, next to Demar, you're getting a bunch of isos. The offense ain't getting run through Vooch. So if you have those concerns, those concerns will remain. So I just don't think it really makes sense on a lot of a lot of different levels. Even you know from a pure basketball standpoint, we can get to the contract as well as you referenced. He's a, a free agent coming up. He can get paid a lot more than Zach Levine just did. Um, and that's again ignoring all the other nonsense that comes with uh, with Kyrie. So I just there's just no way this makes any sense at all for me. Yeah, we're getting some uh, some pro Kyrie takes in the comments here. Terry Crew, Kyrie for Levine. He Kyrie's a true scorer, unlike Levine. Um, Shirek Bobby asks when is Kyrie's contract over? That expires this season, so that mm-hmm. makes things like I said a little bit difficult uh, in the old trade machine. Just because you know why would you give up? somebody that's signed for five more years for somebody who's going to be a free agent this upcoming summer and potentially leave you uh, for nothing. So I agree with you. I think uh, he doesn't really solve any of the Bulls problems and there are a lot of them. Um, Some people really like Kyrie. You can see that in the comments, everybody's talking about it, but you can also, you know, tell that there's a lot of people who don't. I think there's an interesting subplot here, which is, um, the Kevin Durant situation. He obviously requested a trade this past summer as well. And then um, reneged and basically said, like, I'll give it a chance here with Kyrie. Um, if Kyrie's gone, does Kevin Durant change his mind and ask for a trade again? Uh, that He's certainly a player that I would be more interested in from a Bulls standpoint. Um, any thoughts on kind of just bigger picture, what happens here in Brooklyn now with this 
like what are the odds of Kyrie tra- being traded and what does that mean for Brooklyn who's truly one of the not only east contenders but like they're playing at a championship caliber right now well i mean it, it has the potential to completely dismantle the deadline like if if Kyrie if a try if, if this isn't purely a leverage play and if he were to be moved it, it has implications for a number of different deals Obviously, a team that would be interested in Kyrie is a team like the Lakers. And for them to make this sort of deal happen, it would be a Westbrook-type package, which then obviously influences the Bulls, as we'll come to talk about in segments to come. Uh, That influences what maybe the Bulls could do at the deadline and a bunch of different teams. So if Kyrie really is someone who's on the block or is prepared to be traded or the Nets are prepared to trade him, and that changes everything, similarly to your point about KD, then... I don't know. Does he does he does he want to stick around in that instance? Maybe maybe he does. Maybe there's, I don't know. Could he be moved at the deadline? Like that 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 would probably be the next domino to fall, assuming this was a real a real threat. But I think my favorite tweet this morning, William, um, through all this nonsense, came from Woj. Not that I generally like many Woj tweets, but this 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 one was probably the funniest, and it touches on your point. But like Woj writes. Among rival teams, there's far more interest in inquiring on Kevin Durant's reaction to Kyrie Irving's trade quest <laughs> and how that may impact KD's future with the Nets. So I would imagine a team like the the Phoenix Suns, for example, are inquiring about Kyrie in part because, okay, maybe they, they're in position to maybe add Kyrie, but we know that the Suns were a team that KD had atop of his list in the offseason. So maybe they're viewing this as a scenario where they could trade you know, Aiton and Chris Paul, for example, for and then probably a little bit more because they need to make the money work for for Kyrie and and, and uh, Kevin Durant. Obviously, Durant wanted to go to Phoenix. Durant loves Kyrie for some weird reason. Um, could could the Suns with a new owner there pick up? You know, make us make a splash really and just change the entire uh, the, uh, complexion of the Western Conference as an example. So it really does have the ability to change everything at the deadline. Um, but the first domino, domino really here is how real is this Kyrie? Uh, is this Kari, you know, asking for, asking for a trade? How real is it? Will the Nets even consider honoring it? And, and if then, ha- if that were to happen, then what happens thereafter? It could change the entire landscape of the NBA. Yes, it can, and I think it probably would. Uh, but this is Bulls podcast, and I want to talk about trades that more directly affect the Bulls and some of the fake trades that we've been hearing around the interwebs. But Mark, before we do that, would you please tell? the people about our friends and Matt Peck's favorite friend in the entire world, Greenwich Farms. I can, William. I can. So people by now may know I am a vegetarian at this point, but if there's one one beautiful company out there that may tempt me back to being a carnivore, <laughs> it is Greenridge Farm. So Greenridge Farm is a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you the best all natural options. They are the maker of all natural deli meats, sausages, and of course, they're world-famous meat sticks. Those meat sticks are perfect for tailgating, happy hour, school lunches, whatever the situation may be. If you're just sitting there on Twitter, scanning you know, the Woj tweets, whatever it might be, you can have one hand on your phone, one hand on your meat stick, getting that down your gob. So all of these natural meat sticks are hardwood smoked for eight hours, and they all come with 16 grams of protein per stick. So they make the perfect post-workout snacks. So if you're into your meat sticks, if you're into your meat products more generally, meat or dairy products, we recommend our friends over at Greenridge Farm. So right now, when you order any three meat products at greenridgefarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be made free simply by using the promo code CHGO at checkout. It is that simple, friends. And like I said, I'm not a meat eater, but if I was, I'd be eating my meat from our Greenridge Farms. That's for sure. A vegetarian trying to sell meat products. That is an all-timer. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I also want to tell our friends and listeners here about ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses and the communities that they serve manage energy usage and lower their energy bills now and into the future. ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territories. Customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money saving, efficient LED lights, and learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through mobile devices and track your facility's energy usage and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor, outdoor lighting, and networked lighting controls making these projects even more cost-effective than before. So 
Visit comed.com slash poweringbiz. That's powering B-I-Z. Now to start saving money and energy. You can start a pod project by contacting ComEd at 1-855-433-2700. You can also email them for more information at businessee at comed.com or publicsectoree at comed.com. All right. The moment you've all been waiting for, folks, in the comments. We're going to talk about some bulls trades and whether we are bullish on them or we think that they're total bullshit. And I'm tipping that we're going to lean towards the latter. But we'll see. Uh, there have been a ton of fake trades out there. Obviously, it's trade season. But the bulls are one of those teams. We've heard the phrase before. The vultures are circling. The bulls are obviously underperforming. And they've got guys like Levine, Caruso, uh, DeRozan, who knows how much value Booch has right now with the expiring contract, but Bulls do kind of have to figure out what they're going to do with him longer term. Mark wrote a great piece about that on allchgo.com uh, a few days ago. Go check that out. Um, so let's start with one from yesterday's ESPN fake trade proposals. Um, it's an insider story, so it's behind a paywall, but we've got you guys covered here. Bobby Marks suggested... Uh, and, and Lawrence, if you can throw this one up, uh, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, Javante Green for Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Max Christie, who I'm surprised you can find a picture of, uh, <laughs> 2027 and 2029 first round unprotected picks. Mark, bullish or bullshit? Um, uh, I lean bullshit, but is there, a, is there a middle ground between bullish and bullshit? Like what, what? What is the the pun here? <laughs> Do we have one? Can I sit on the fence? Uh, look, generally, more generally, the idea around Westbrook for Levine, I hate the idea. The, the The general premise makes no sense to me because Westbrook is one of the worst contracts in in the NBA. Even if he's an expiring deal, you have to augment so much of your salary structure just to take his contract back. And potentially when you're giving away someone like Zach for 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 Westbrook, like just that as a one-for-one one deal makes no sense to me at all. Having said that, if you are convinced that Lonzo is never going to be Lonzo again and you want to get off the two years remaining on his deal and those two picks are unprotected and Max Christie, who somehow Lawrence found a picture of, I'm not saying I like this trade. I still don't do this trade, but I find this trade more palatable than the, than the, than the simple, you know, Zach and whatever additional contract that the Bulls have to add for just Westbrook. Um, this is probably better than the original, original iterations that ESPN was sort of running, which were just terribly misguided and just bad deals for the Bulls more generally. Um, this one you could sell me a little bit more on just because of the Lonzo thing and maybe getting off his money, getting off Levine's money and, and, and Westbrook is a, an expiring guy. Um, so you could really open up cap space uh, very quickly in this deal. But uh, I still probably I still say it's probably bullshit to be honest with you. I think I'd probably rather wait and uh, deal with Levine in the offseason if this is the best deal I can get. Yeah, you're getting some similar reviews in the comments. Renewable and rechargeable review. BS, Shirak Bobby, our guy, hard pass, Torian, horrible trade. Um, maybe a little bit more uh, opinionated, uh, or I guess not opinionated, but uh, harder stance on no than you. Um, and I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up the Lonzo issue because I think that is an important one that people aren't really, you know, it's sort of an under-talked about thing here. Uh, the motive for me in this trade is clearing out cap space, obviously, uh, and the picks, but I think bigger and more important is the cap space. And mm -hmm. for me, if the bulls are going to go in this direction of accumulating draft picks, what they need to do is to be able to take on bad money and in doing so get basically paid first round picks as sweetener. Um, yep. that's what they should have been doing all along during their original rebuild under Garpax. They didn't do it. They got one additional first-round pick for Nikola Mirotic, which turned into Chandler Hutchison. And that's how you run into a situation where you either, you know, don't hit on all your picks or in, or in the Bulls' case, they didn't really hit on any of their picks. Um, obviously, you know, you end up with some good players, but they didn't really turn into much until they left the Bulls. So I think it's an interesting one to get off of Lonzo, but I also think you're selling Lonzo at his lowest, right? Like you're, you're basically paying to get off of that Lonzo contract, which – I think you should be doing the opposite. I think you should be taking swings on guys. You know how good Lonzo can be. 
there's no point in selling low on him. So while I like the idea of clearing out the books longer term, obviously Russ comes off the books next year. Like, what are you doing at that point? If you've got, you know, Russ off the books, Vooch off the books and DeMar still there, like, are you trying to compete? Are you, who, who are you trying to sign? I think it just kind of leaves you in this position of hoping that teams will dump their bad salaries on you. And there aren't that many bad, bad salaries to go around. So I don't love it. I'd rather hang on to Lonzo and see if you can rehabilitate some of his value. Um, obviously those Lakers picks I think are a bit overrated just yeah. in terms of like, who knows what they could be. And not yeah. to mention the fact that they're four drafts down the line. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, uh, there's not enough upside, I guess, for me to say yes to that. I get the fact that, you know, people are unhappy with Levine's contract and clearing out the books is good. But to me, and I, I've heard this before from a couple of people, like there's no award for having the cleanest books. Um, I think the better thing to do here is to prioritize talent, prioritize draft picks. And while you pick up a few draft picks, I just don't love the upside enough there to go forward with it. Yeah. And look on those Lakers picks, those picks makes no sense. If you want to commence a rebuild, like the Bulls obviously don't have their 20th or potentially don't have their 2023 pick. Who knows if they're going to get the Blazers pick in, in this draft either, depending depending on how obviously the outcome of their season. If, if they, if the Blazers are in the lottery, then the Bulls don't get that pick. So there's a, there's a world where if the Bulls were to hit blow it up, which they're clearly not going to do, but let's pretend they did, that would have no pick in the 2023 draft. The picks that you're trading out Zach for are not coming for four or six years. So, so, so you're effectively starting a rebuild without having any picks coming back in the foreseeable future, which is probably the worst way to start a rebuild. So ideally, if you're trading your guys four picks the, the four picks in you know the 23 draft 24 draft 25 draft when you're actually in those initial stages of your rebuild you would hope if the balls were rebuilding in this instance that by 27 or 29 that they're they're actually good again and that these picks potentially could be used as an asset maybe to trade elsewhere you were not necessarily using these picks potentially as uh you know rebuilding pieces so to speak so for a lot of different reasons these picks just don't make uh, a lot of sense to me but uh yeah, are we, so we're both saying bullish, uh, bullshit, rather. Yeah, I think so. And I do take, you know, getting off of Lonzo as a legitimate argument. Um, and we can talk about it in this next trade, but I'm just not yeah. sure I'm quite there yet. But let's talk about the next one from Andre Snellings in the same article at ESPN. We've got Lonzo Ball and Kobe White for Fred Van Vliet and Malachi Flynn. What was your take on this one? Trade, it done, <laughs> bullish, bullish, love it. I love this deal for the Bulls. This is a terrible trade for the Toronto Raptors. This is terrible. Um, so I, I was very high on this trade. I don't know where you where you sit on this one, but if you can... Look, from, from my perspective, I just can't trust Lonzo Ball going forward. I just can't. So is there a world where Lonzo gets back to things and is back to being a, you know, a, a productive NBA player, a good NBA player? I don't know if he will get back to... His previous level, maybe he does. But even if that were to happen, like what is the percentage chance of that happening? I'm not very high on that percentage chance. So in this instance, I see this as a way of to get off Monzo's money. I see this as a way that you don't necessarily have to pay Kobe his next contract, um, which maybe doesn't make a lot of sense to do if you're, if you're keeping Levine and DeRozan around, given that obviously he pay, plays a similar position. And if, with, if Lonzo was playing, would Kobe even playing, be playing the amount of minutes he is currently? So... I like Fred Van Vliet. He's an Illinois guy. Um, he will be a, potentially a free agent. But you, you know what you get with Fred? He's also not hurt. His knees aren't the age of a 36-year-old's guy, so like, like Lonzo's is at the moment. So I just think there's far less risk with this deal. Um, I would definitely do this trade. I don't think Toronto would. I think this is actually a really bad trade for Toronto. But uh, if I'm the Bulls, I would definitely do this deal. Yeah, I'm surprised that this was in there. Uh, yeah. First and foremost, this puts Toronto into the into the tax. I don't really see why they would. I mean, they're not getting any picks. There's no incentive for them to do this. The only thing that the, the only argument I can think of is that they want to basically buy low on Lonzo. I'm as Lonzo pilled as they come, but I mean, for you to for you to get like an all star caliber point guard in Fred VanVleet who adds shooting and defense and switchability and just floor organization immediately, who's actually playing, you get a little bit more breathing room under the tax and you basically flip 
Kobe White for Malachi Flynn, who's like a little bit older, you know, offense first kind of chucker backup guard. I mean, yeah, sign me up. I, I think you probably lose some uh, potential upside, but at this point, I mean, you have to be thinking, is Lonzo Ball going to play again, period? I think that's the bigger question more than like, is he going to play this year? So I think you, you definitely sign this one. You also run to the situation of Ben Vliet being an unrestricted free agent. You got to get something done with him. But I mean, l- like this comment says here, there's an argument to be made that Fred is just better than Lonzo when Lonzo is at his yep. best. So mm-hmm. I, I don't see Toronto being remotely interested in this. I also mm-hmm. can't see how another team doesn't beat this offer. Uh, I think the Bulls would have to add a pick in maybe two um, or like Dale and Terry or something, some sweetener, some young player who kind of fits their mold of being long and athletic and can't shoot to, to grease the wheels a little bit. Um yeah, I, I don't get this at all from the Raptors standpoint, but I would definitely do this for the Bulls. Yeah, I think we have to view Lonzo at this point as a negative asset. Like he's barely played in two years. No one knows what the situation really is uh, with his knee. There was a report from uh, an esteemed reporter the other day who suggested that um, no one really knows what's happening with Lonzo's knees. So <laughs> given he hasn't played for over a year, there's still, you know, uncertainty around Lonzo and his knees. Like, let's, let's just call it now. He's not coming back. He's not running. He's, he's, he's not, not playing running. this season. So the There's next like... time we see Lonzo on a basketball court, assuming he's even ready by that stage, is October 23, which is months away. So he's a negative asset. So trading a negative asset for someone like Fred, who, yes, is a re- potentially a free agent. He has a player option, but he will most likely uh, exercise that and become a free agent. But... Even before that, you I would argue Fred is better than Lonzo, and that's not a, uh, I'm not trying to discredit Lonzo. That's more of like how I feel about Fred. So if you're getting Fred, a healthy and good Fred Van Vliet for a Lonzo, who I just said is a negative asset, and all it really, all the additional assets to this is a flip between Malachi Flynn and Kobe White. It's like, yeah, this is a no-brainer for the Bulls. So uh, bullish from my side. Yeah, uh, comment from Todd Triplett. Don't let Kobe go. He's going to keep getting better. Kobe has gotten a lot better. I wrote about yeah. that extensively. I had a really interesting conversation with him uh, the other day, just talking about like the areas that he's, you know, put work into in his game, ball handling, court awareness, helping slow the game down for him. And then just like the emphasis that he's put on improving his defense that's up on the website, lchgo.com right now, go check it out. It's also on my Twitter, really, really interesting stuff from Kobe directly. So um, if you're interested in reading more about that, go check it out. Um, I want to rip through a couple more of these here. Also from ESPN yesterday or two days ago on the Low Post podcast, Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton had a conversation. I think ESPN is just trying to get Zach to like the West Coast because they're just like sick of the Bulls. And I don't really blame them. The Bulls are playing pretty frustrating basketball. But some of these trades, man, are just rough. So here's the first one. Bulls get Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, and Josh Hart. Blazers get Damar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic. Mark, your take. This is such bullshit. Such <laughs> bullshit. And look, we've already said this, but let's 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 make this very clear again. These are all fake trades. They're not sourced at all. It's ESPN people sort of coming up with fake trades as, you know, writing stories, getting on podcasts, coming up with some ideas. So there's nothing substantiated with this. There's no reporting around this. This isn't like the Caruso sort of thing that, that you guys hit on the other day or even the Kobe wife or Jay Crowder stuff where it was source reporting. This is all just trade machine fairy tale stuff. But irrespective of that, grading it on face value, I hate this deal. It's bullshit on so many different levels. Like, why would I want Yusuf Nurkic? Like, why? Tell me tell me why would I... Like, I, I've got the opportunity... That was my pay. thing. It's like, give me one reason why the Bulls would do this. Just one, <laughs> name one reason. I would rather give... like. Uh, Vuk, uh, sorry, Nurkic has three more years on his deal. He's got like $15 million owed each of those seasons. I would rather give Vooch a two-year $50 million deal than, than pay Yusuf Nurkic three three years, 45, or whatever the situation might be. Nurkic is always hurt. He's a lesser player than, than Vooch. Why Can't would shoot. I want Nurkic? Uh, but yeah, he, and he, he can't defend in the way... Like you, you're still limited in, the, in what you can do on defense with him as your, as your center. So I don't like that component of it as like just if that were a swap like Nurk for Vooch no I hate that but then you get to the point where it's like 
okay, DeRozan for Anthony Simons and Josh Hart. That's the way I'm breaking down this deal in my mind, at least. Josh Hart is a free agent or can be a free agent, will likely be a free agent. Why would I want to pay Josh Hart, whose best position is power forward, who's probably going to be taking minutes away from Pat? Yes, they could share minutes together, but why am I investing in Josh Hart in this scenario anyway when I've just traded DeMar and Vooch? And then with they didn't go on to express what that what happens thereafter for the Bulls. But assuming you're trading for Anthony Simons and Kobe White and Zach Levine, Zach Levine remain on your roster, why the hell am I trading for Anthony Simons, who is some sort of combination like on the continuum or a spectrum of Kobe White to Zach Levine, Anthony Simons is probably on the higher end. He's cl- probably closer to Zach Levine in that sense, but they're effectively the same player, they're the same type of player at least. Why would I want three of those versions of guys? Like why would I want Anthony Simons if I've already got Zach Levine on this roster? So this just makes no sense on so many different levels. So uh, this is a clear bullshit for me. Yeah, I just don't understand what the motivation is for the Bulls. Like, are you trying to get better? Or are you trying to get worse? Like, I, there's no picks involved. Um, they they kind of mentioned this Blazers pick that the Blazers owe the Bulls lottery protected and maybe lifting some protections on that, which, you know, would help the Blazers' flexibility to add more talent. But they're clearly yeah. getting the best player. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bulls are getting, like, these mediocre to slightly above average role guys to do what exactly to try to yeah. compete you're giving up your best player you're giving up the engine to your offense you're locking yourself into a worse center longer term uh you run the risk of losing heart maybe you flip them maybe you flip zach and like this is the first of a total teardown fine but just this on its face i think is one of the one of the sillier ones and frankly like damar and zach are too good to be like treated like this you know what i mean like i mean Mm -hmm. donovan mitchell got three unprotected picks (laughs) and uh a pick swap and lowry markinen who turned into an all-star and colin sexton um dejounte murray three three unprotected and a swap like they're not like why would the bulls trade they they would have to tell their fans like hey we're gonna trade zach levine our version of those guys for one third of what these other teams got like what is the incentive here the bulls are locked into levine for five years you know like it or not to the people in the comments that's he's making a max but like there's no incentive to trade him right now like i said you don't get any award for having clean cap books um i just don't really see why this makes sense Uh, i understand the urgency to make a decision with mooch but that i'm not so inspired by this trade that you have to go forward with it um there's another one here from Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton. I'm not sure who had which, uh, but it is a similar one. Hart, Simons, and Picks, not specified. I think, again, you're talking about a, uh, a them lifting the protection on the pick that they owe the Bulls and then maybe tossing in one more for mm-hmm. DeMar and Caruso. Um, I'll just jump right in here and also call bullshit on this one. Again, like you're, you're getting younger but to what end? Like, what, what is this trade doing for you long-term that gives you more upside than what you have now? Uh, I, I think, like, some of the rumors that you're hearing about Caruso on the open market getting two picks on his own, like, couldn't you just do better by moving Caruso to the Knicks for two first-round picks? Uh, if you want to go that direction, I just think there are going to be way better options out there. Um, I don't really... I guess it kind of makes me wonder in general, like, what kind of should the bulls be making trades at all just because some of the value that seems like they're getting back is so low. But I mean, another example of just like a no way for me. Yeah, completely agree. That's, that's complete bullshit. And my, my prevailing takeaway of this from all these uh, fake trades that we've gone over, like teams or not necessarily teams, national media types view the bulls as a team that should be sellers and maybe they should be maybe the bulls should be sellers but what they don't factor in or what they don't consider in any of these trades is all right cool we're going to trade away the bulls best players we're going to get them to teams that we want to see them you know we want to see zach on team x we want to see demar on team y whatever the situation may be all their focus is on is getting those players onto those specific teams they never think about why does this make sense for the Bulls? And we've sort of outlined here, like even in that late, later scenario, again, maybe maybe had you know had Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton really explored it a little bit more. Maybe if they had said that 
this would be, you know, a stepping stone trade. You then trade Levine, you do this, you do X, Y, Z. Maybe it starts to make more sense. But when you're literally just putting this in a, a one trade scenario where, again, you're trading DeMar, the best player in the deal, uh, for whatever, who knows what those picks are, but you're still getting Simons back. Again, you, you come back to the same problem whereby, why do I want to pair up Anthony Simons and Zach Levine? Now, ideally, you're probably not, but because these guys didn't express that or didn't make that clear, that's all that we can assume that they're suggesting here, that the Bulls essentially stop at this point. And I don't know, they're trying to play two off guards who don't play defense, shoot, you know, sh- potentially really good isolation scorers, good shooters, but then play a lot of defense. Like, why does this, why does any of this make sense for the Bulls? So my prevailing takeaway is uh, national media podcasts are terrible at making trades that, that uh, involve the Bulls. It makes me angry. And even though I had a pep in my step at the start of this podcast, I'm now shitty because of these bullshit trade ideas. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like, basically the way you have to think about a trade is kind of both teams either have to be really excited about it or both feel a little bit, not so great about it in order for it to be fair. Um, Mm. I think this is clearly lopsided in favor of the Blazers where there's just no incentive. I mean, if multiple first round picks or Shaden Sharp are coming back, then let's have a conversation. But like to just do it, to do it. I I get that people are sick of the Bulls. I get that the Bulls probably should do something. And I certainly would like to see something. Um, I don't, I, I think my number one fear or rule in making these trades is like you do this for value. You don't do it to do it. Uh, so that's kind of where I stand on it. Um, mm-hmm. I'd mentioned like how this sort of affects my position on whether the bull should make trades at all. And we're going to get into that more, but Mark first, can you tell the people about pins and aces? I can, William, I can. So Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons, I mean tons of compliments for our Pins and Aces gear on and off the course when we're working it around. So Pins and Aces, they are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make cool, amazing polos, hats, golf bags, whatever, whatever sort of merch you want from a golf standpoint. They've got it all, but most importantly, they've got our most favorite product, the innovative uh, beer sleeve that can, can you can actually hold seven beers in this beer sleeve so whilst you're getting around the grounds whether you're playing nine holes 18 whatever the situation may be you can carry around seven beers with you at, at the, at the, at the at, you know when you're playing your when you're playing your golf round so what an amazing product that is so check out pinsandaces.com and use promo code chdo to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping with that as well so that's pinsandaces.com promo code chdo for 15 percent off We also want to tell you guys about our friends at DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200. You bet $5 and you win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today opt in and place a same game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. That's just free money. People, you got to go do it at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can download that now using promo code CHGO. Like I said, new customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's only a DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Make sure you download it with promo code CHGO minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio, please see show notes for details. All right, so Mark, I am having this conversation. I'm, I wouldn't say skeptical about making a trade. I still am of the position that like, you can't have watched 51 of these Bulls games and thought this is something good here. We've got something brewing. Like, like you, you, can't, you can't just sit through these games and think that like they're on their way. They do need to do something. As you've noted multiple times, like, the Vooch decision is a big one. Um, they either need to like trade him or extend him. Otherwise you run the risk of letting him walk for nothing. I think that's like a huge deal. And, you know, it, in some ways it's a sunk cost, but also like you have an opportunity to get, to, to get some value back on this trade. Um, if you make a move or at least sign him to a team friendly contract, uh, if if this is the type of return you're getting for your all-star caliber scorers in Zach and Damar, I'm not really sure I see it. But you've got here in the rundown 
is there a world where doing nothing makes more sense? And I want to hear your argument for that because I'm not sure I agree. Well, I'm choosing violence. Uh, people are choose violence. Extremely, my hey, people are going to be really angry at me for even Bullshit, even positing this Mark's column. Yeah, you, you got to write a column on this, man. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't know if I fully believe in this, um, and I know virtually 99% uh, of people chaos. don't believe in this. But I think there is a world. Now, hear me out, people. Don't don't crush me in the comments here on YouTube, or even if you're listening after this. Don't don't uh, throw your phone at at, at the uh, at your car window when you're driving a, a you know when you're driving down to work or whatever the situation is. I do think there is a realm of possibility where doing nothing at this trade deadline kind of makes sense. Now, I say that to, uh, if there is a deal, like you, you said it before, William. You said we should be approaching this trade deadline based on value. That whatever the Bulls should be doing or should be thinking about, it should be driven by value and what you can get back for your guys. Now, assuming these fake, terrible trades that we've gone through on this episode are somewhat real and that this is all the Bulls are being offered for Zach. If all you can get for Zach at this stage is some shitty Westbrook deal um, for DeMar, you're only getting these Portland trade offers that we went through. Why should the Bulls be hitting the the trade or the hitting the yes button on these trades right now if these are the best deals that you can get like why should i be trading vooch there was there was a a, a, i can't remember which ringer podcast last week but there was a podcast on the ringer last week that floated the idea of sending vooch to the clippers for marcus morris who has money left on his deal a bunch of other stuff and a few second round picks why should i do that why should i just do that deal for the sake of doing that deal i understand why you know, Vooch is an expiring contract. I understand the theory of not losing him for nothing, all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I would argue that losing him for nothing is probably a better outcome than taking on players, taking on contracts just for the sake of saying, I got something for him. Is you know, it, that, That's not an advantageous outcome. So I think if at the moment, if the value on these guys is low or you're perceiving it to be low, like you're not getting the return that you would, you would argue is fair for these guys. I think you could argue that it makes more sense not to trade them now to approach this situation again in the off season when maybe there's more picks available at that point. Teams that will be eligible to trade future picks beyond 2029 at that point. There'll be, uh, you know, there'll be different situations in terms of what teams will have with their cap space, what they plan on doing with their cap space. The, the landscape will be a different proposition at that point. So I just wonder if you're getting just you know shitty returns at the moment, all of these trade packages that we're going through are all in the bullshit variety, let's say. I think there is a uh, I, I think there is a realm of possibility that suggests that, that suggests that doing nothing is the right thing. Now I know that's an extremely tough thing to sell. I would find it very difficult to be on the receptive end of that sell particularly given that you didn't do anything last offseason, you didn't do anything last deadline. So here is this douchebag from Australia saying, actually, don't do anything at this deadline. This is actually the good thing to do. Now, I understand why that's a tough sell and it's really hard to say. It's a really hard thing to sell. But at the same time, like I think about Zach, like Jake Fisher had a report on, on Yahoo uh, Sports the other day that said that the Lakers, the Heat, the, the Knicks, the Mavericks, they all remain interested in Zach. I can't imagine that that interest is just going to die away over the next week. I would imagine that interest would remain into the offseason as well, particularly with the Mavs, for example, who can't trade the 2023 picks because the Knicks own that pick. But then after this season, the Mavs will have all their picks available to trade. So that's a different trade proposition at that point for someone like Zach to Dallas, for example. So if, you trade, if you're trade, if you trying to trade Zach to Dallas now, you're limited in what you can get back. Whereas in the offseason, maybe that opens up additional things that you can do. So I guess what I'm saying is, it would be an extremely hard sell, but I also don't think it's necessarily the worst outcome if the Bulls don't do uh, any deals at this deadline, assuming they're looking at it purely from a value play. So we're playing uh, bullish or bullshit, and I got to call bullshit on this one, my friend, because <laughs> I, I just don't see a world where letting Vooch walk for nothing is a better value proposition than getting anything in return, a second-round pick. I mean... You, you you overpay for him and fine. Like I appreciate the process. I was pro trade for Booch while also admitting that they maybe gave up a little bit too much. Both of those things can be true at the same time. Um, it looks worse that the pick was Franz Wagner and it'll look even worse if the Bulls give up the fifth pick, but you can't operate from a position out of 
fear that you're going to like help the Orlando Magic. You have to do what's best for your organization. Right now, like I said, you cannot watch this team. You cannot have seen 51 games of the Chicago Bulls and think to yourself, this team is a contender, let alone getting out of the first round or, or even winning two games in a first round playoffs. They're in the mm-hmm. plane. They're the 10th seed. I mean, they, yep. what they have is not working. And to me, not only do you have to like make some trades, but there are also probably trades out there that help you stay competitive while also getting value back or, or locking yourself into a better value deal. So um, I'll probably come out with some big trades of my own over the next few days just because it's fun and I love to stir the pot. But I, I think if you are not going to extend Booch the day after the trade deadline, and I mean, like, you can extend him until, I think, June 31st or whatever it is, yeah. June 30. It's um, not the 31st, given there's only 30 days in June. Okay, yes, yeah. We, we, we take your point, yeah. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't be the one making decisions here. I can't even count. <laughs> uh, I, my thought is, like, if you cannot lock him into a contract that is super team-friendly, and by team-friendly, I mean movable, and that other teams would find valuable, because... Mm-hmm. Again, what are you doing right now? You're the 10th seed. You're locked into these older players, this older timeline. Um, I appreciate that they have given themselves some out by not trading Patrick and having Dale and Terry and Kobe and Io. But you kind of need to, like, make a decision here. Again, I think there are avenues that you can take that allow you to stay competitive while also trading away one of those guys. But I, my feeling is you have to do something because letting him walk for nothing, I think, would make – the trade looked even worse. I think it's a harder sell to your fans to lose that asset and not be able to improve your team with it. Again, you've talked about it. Like they're not going to have enough cap space to where just letting him expire is advantageous. I would get a second round pick and an expiring contract. I would get um, a backup center and just like, you know, a young project or something. You, you just, you have to do something. I'm not sure I want to see, Vooch on like the next iteration of this team. I think they have some bigger questions there. I also recognize he's more valuable to the Bulls than he would be to a lot of other teams. He is one of the few centers that can score at three levels. He is one of the few centers that can do that while also being a great passer. Um, And like it or not, he's been a very solid defender this year. So I understand he is a good player and like the optics of trading him for a second round pick are bad, but I do think they need to do something here. And I agree that trading Zach or DeMar or Caruso at this juncture might not be the best move, but I think you can trade one of those four guys and start to uh, start the retooling process heading into the summer where maybe you trade another one. I don't, like I said, I don't see how you can go past the deadline uh, a week from yesterday, Thursday, the ninth and have a press conference, press conference where you say, well, we've still got, you know, a negative, net rating but it's it's trending upwards and we're you know 11th to defense since january 1 and like really believe that and think you know you have a chance to be better i understand the uh hope that they have for alonzo to help turn this thing around i think we both have questions about that uh let alone will he ever play again i have no reporting on that obviously but just you know at this point billy donovan said last week he's nowhere close i mean there's two months left how can you really count on this guy to not only get back to the you know point where he can start to ramp up, but then also ramp up and then also get in shape and then also be ready to actual, actually contribute. So I think the Bulls are in a really difficult spot where the only move is to make a move. And um, I'm not going to say like, I'll riot if they don't, but I think Vooch is like the first domino that needs to fall or at the very least, like they need to make, you know, a Caruso trade and then that informs their decision with Vooch. But I just I think going into this summer where you either overpay him because he's got you over a barrel or you end up losing him for nothing, I think that is like pretty close to a worst case scenario. That was a lot there. Do you have any reaction? Yeah, I do. Listen, let me make this very clear. Um, I'm not opposed to the Bulls doing anything at the deadline. I would be very happy for them to do something at the deadline. I would prefer them to, to do something at the deadline. Um, I'm certainly not suggesting that AK would win the press conference if they did nothing at the deadline or it wouldn't be a hard sell. It would be an extremely hard sell. I'm also not suggesting that if they don't do anything at the deadline that that should be uh, a sign. Like if I was running things that I still expect this team to be 
winning games or contending or doing this and that. So just need to make that very clear. Like I don't, I don't feel like that is the the, the situation. But you 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 noted a, a, an example there where if you could get an expiring contract and some picks back, even if they're second rounders for Vooch, you would do that type of deal. So would I. But if all you're getting back for Vooch is you know, a player who has money still left on his deal, a player who doesn't necessarily make on make sense for this team. Like I mentioned before, the ringer had floated an idea of trading out Marcus Morris and a bunch of other stuff, guys that are contracted past this season and into next season. I, I'm not doing that deal for Vooch just for the sake of doing the deal. You, you have until, like you said, beyond the deadline to extend him. You can, you can potentially come to a new deal with him in the offseason. So I'm not just trading Vooch just to do it if the value is shitty, just so like, 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 I, like I can say, or avoid the risk of um, losing him for nothing. Simultaneously, whilst in that, you, you referenced that piece that I wrote up on, all, on allchdo.com, just, a, just an amazing, thrilling read that I, I suggest everyone goes and reads. Um, now, in that scenario that I, that I pointed out, like, if you lose Vooch for nothing and there's certain other permutations to it as well, like you can open up a little bit of cap space if Derek Jones Jr. and if Andre Drummond don't take up their player options, there is a scenario where the Bulls can open up about $14.5-$15 million in cap space. In that scenario, you've done so by letting Vooch walk. Like You could maybe go and sign Jakob Pertl as an example, potentially, with that cap space. Like. I would rather do that than take on someone who has like I would rather do that or try to do that than taking on Mar- Marcus Morris's shitty deal just so I could say I got a second round pick for Vooch. So what I'm saying is I'm definitely I'm definitely comfortable with trading every single person on this roster assuming there's value to be had for these players. But if there's nothing to be had for them right now, I don't I don't I don't want to do a deal just for the sake of doing a deal, particularly if it, it's going to hamstring me in a lot of different ways. If I don't get any good value back in terms of draft assets, if it doesn't give me flexibility from a cap standpoint, if I feel like I can get more value for these guys in the off season than now, then I'm I think doing nothing potentially could be the right thing. I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying dependent on what you're being depending on the value you're receiving back, there is there is a chance that it is the right thing to do. And I acknowledge that saying as much is going to piss a lot of people off. And if I was AK trying to say as much, I would absolutely be uh, having a, a tough time selling it in the media and I would I would definitely lose the press conference. But I think rationally speaking, I think that it could be the right decision, depending, of course, on what is being offered back. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I think I still disagree. I think um, unless you're adding talent and like clearly trying to make a push this year to try to be better, which I don't think is the right thing to do given the basketball we've watched for 51 games um, and really the 23 games to finish out last year where they went eight and 15 and then got worked in the playoffs in a five game series. Um, so I'm not sure you want to add anything, but unless you do, I think you run the risk of losing him for nothing. And I think that's a worse outcome than a second round pick um, or just locking in a, a worse center longer term and maybe be able, being able to trade him down the line. Um, I think Vooch is obviously, like I said, a really good player. I've been with you on that since day one. I like the idea of trying to be competitive and I appreciate the fact that, you know, you, you might have to overpay in order to get good players on your team. But right now I think you have to be considering the bigger picture here and the bigger picture is this team needs to make some serious changes because they're not very good. And I think that starts with coming to terms with the fact that Vooch is probably not on the next iteration of this team. And so losing it for nothing makes little sense to me. Um, I also understand that, that they, that they might not feel that way, that they might see it from your perspective and want to give themselves a chance to make a push in the playoffs. They got to get there first. And right now, We'll see. I mean, three more games to the deadline. We'll be back at some point next week to talk about it. Um, It's going to be interesting. We got like the Raptors who are kind of in control right now. You've got teams like the Grizzlies and the Pelicans who have picks galore to trade. You've got teams like the Clippers, the Warriors, some of these older teams that are just waiting to pounce on guys like um, maybe Caruso, maybe OG Ananobi, uh, maybe Fred Van Vliet who can really put them over the top. Um, Kyrie obviously on the block now really really interesting six days coming up and we will be back um, to cover it all for you Matt, Dave 
and I will be back tomorrow for uh, Matt and Dave will be back tomorrow, I should say, for pregame. And then I will tune in postgame for a quick stint from the United Center. Um, so tune back in tomorrow and we will talk to you then, Bulls fans. Uh, make sure you are downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app and using promo code CHGO when you do. Mark, it's been great talking with you. Lawrence uh, just signed on. Did, did got, I do something wrong? Got, no, it's, got, I've, it's gotten dark. Sorry, I should turn the light on. But do you have any bets for me on, on the old draft game today? Anyway, I, I need some NBA action today. Got anything? You know, I haven't looked, but I might spend the next hour diving into some props that I like. Okay. Send them my way. I need them. My, my, my suggestion for you, Lawrence, is whatever William suggests, do the opposite. That's, oh, that's my me. suggestion. So anyone, Lawrence, anyone listening in, the people in the comments, whatever William suggests, go the other way. That, that's my hot tip. Okay. Uh, hit the like, everyone. Do that. Hit the like on your way out. And thanks again for listening. We will talk to you guys next week.